Should we do a low-key intro? Why low-key? Oh, because it's, it's, we're, we're all reaching the end, man. Everybody is. So close to that abyss, yes. Welcome, everyone, to oh, this... Oh, hello. A festive edition. Hooray, jingle bells and such. To the listening party pod of Adam and Mike. If you're new to the show... Uh, general idea is we're just two men of no consequence who've just put on a bit of a party and we uh, like to bring each other an album to listen to each week yep. each episode and that's pretty much the concept if you're new here welcome although i'd be amazed if we've got any new listeners off the basis of this album yes yeah, it's, it's not one of the big hitters <laughs> no mean, so you, welcome you, you to probably you. would have you would have attracted more people if you just said it welcome to this episode where we will eventually discuss christmas wrapping by the waitresses <laughs> Because you're all waiting for that hot ticket. That, that's the only one anybody's going to know. Yes, yes. Uh, so yes, today at the party... Well, anybody, sorry, anybody in this country at least, I found out that it was just ignored in America, which is so strange to me. It because is. Because it's, it's a ubiquitous Christmas classic here. It really is, but we'll get to that. So yes, we are here at the Christmas party, the, at the, the office Christmas function. I've already what? photocopied my ass. So this album you've chosen, not going to lie to you, Mike, found it an up and down listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've realised my fundamental problem with it. Oh, problem. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. And I think the issue is, having given it some thought, that what I want from a Christmas song is ubiquity and familiarity. But I will, yeah, with all Christmas things, whether they be film or uh, songs, it usually takes me a good two or three years to come Into round to in. them. Because, yeah, even, even some films I watch now, say, The Night Before, uh, even Jim Carrey's A Christmas Carol, um, these are films I've come to like more. But when I first saw them, mm, did not care for them at all. Oh, I really like Jim Carrey's Christmas. No, Day. You, you're the one who actually made me rethink it, because when you said it was probably the most faithful adaptation of it. Yeah, yeah, easily. I, and and then, I, then I read it, and I was like, oh, by God, he's actually right, yeah. yeah it's almost word for word a lot. Yeah, uh, which really just shows how unimaginative a film it really is. Then. But, uh, yeah, I, I will I will say there's definitely something for Christmas albums in general, where it's like, yeah, you have to give him a couple of years to, of listening to bed in. Well, this was new to me, and uh, there are some that I really, really dug. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's it's not giving away anything uh, to reveal that when the waitress's Christmas wrapping came on, I went, "Oh, good, ah, oh. <laughs> oh, good, familiar Christmas fare." <laughs> well, I feel like just for clarity's sake, we should say we are discussing a Christmas record by ZE Records, I think, as they're pronounced. And so with that, should we hit a bit of hot context? Yeah, yeah, fire away. Context, context, context. Cool, and just for clarity here, we are cut... There is a, several different versions of this album. Yes, so, and it, it suddenly strikes me that we never actually confirmed which version we were listening to. So um, I'm going, the one I've listened to uh, yes. is um, 
13 tracks long and begins oh, with My Silent Night. Yep, yep, that's what good, I got. Good, good, so, good, good. So, well met. We have both been listening to the 2004 CD reissue. So, yes, because there's, like, there's the original 1981 version and then there's a 1982 version. Yes. So, there, it was originally released in November 1981, exclusively in the UK, by ZE Records. Given which, that it's a New York-based record label, that's a New York very peculiar. Yes. The... And also, did you realise it's a new it's a record label that was founded by the heir to the mother care empire? Yes, that was one of my notes. I love the fact that he went, well, I've got all this money. What can I do? I'll release. Well, I'll start a record label, but I'll release a novelty Christmas album with people like Suicide on it. Of course. Of course, <laughs> by Joe. Yeah, so it's a, a New York-based label founded by Michael Zimka and Michael Esteban. So Z and E. Yes, and as you say, Zilka is the son of a former owner of Mothercare. And the label focused on punk, disco, and new wave. And Chris Blackwell, who, again, I think this is four episodes in a row of now. Island Records fame. Yep. Uh, he gave them a license deal through Island Records. Uh, they were described by John Peel in 1980 as the best independent record label in the world. Which, while a ringing endorsement, is no guarantee of record sales. <laughs> No, 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 no. And uh, Esteban left New York in 1982, and the label closed in 1984. He, restart he restarted the label in 2003, and it based out of France. Uh, Zilka went on to run and sell energy companies uh, for billions of dollars. Huh. So, so made it made a pretty penny. Uh, the album ca came about, as Esteban would explain in the 2004 reissue, Christmas albums are a tradition as old as rock and roll itself. Uh, yeah. But I've always thought the principles of Christmas, family, the tree, gifts, peace in the world, etc., were slightly contradictory to certain vision of rock and roll. I found it hard to imagine John Cale and Lou Reed sitting around a Christmas tree exchanging gifts with Nico Ugh. and tucking <laughs> into a turkey dinner. He's exactly right. Unless, of course, they were just passing heroin between one another. <laughs> the same goes for members of the Stooges or MC5. Only the painter, Gary, was it Peliot, could have imagined such a scene. And yet my teenage heroes all took part in the Christmas song tradition. Phil Spector, Brian Wilson, Elvis, Barry Gordy, got the whole Tamil and Motown group at it. Even James Brown, who wins the prize for the kitschiest sleeve. All of them made an album of Christmas songs, some better than others. In 1981 and 1982, ZE Records published its own Christmas album under the supervision of Michael Zilka. All the uh, American artists on Z answered the call and came up with a Christmas track. So each band of the label at the time were asked to come up with a Christmas song. So, yeah, the original album was released in 1981, uh, only featured... Was it 10? No, no, sorry, nine songs originally, as opposed to the 13 we'll be discussing. And it was also originally released on a lovely white vinyl, which only when I opened up my copy recently, I realised I had. Oh, very nice. Oh, yeah, I've got the original white version. Yeah, so a, a revised edition was released in 1982, removing the Alan Vegas song and the uh, Charlie mm. Couture track in favour of tracks by The Three Courgettes. Now, I haven't heard this song by the Three Courgettes, uh, but it, it looms large in the Wikipedia page. It does. It's mentioned several times. And yeah. I have to admit, I still didn't go around to listen to it. No, I assume that's because the Wikipedia page was written by a member of the erstwhile Three Courgettes. One of the Courgettes, I suspect. Un Courgette. 
Yeah, so the waitress's uh, Christmas wrapping was released at the same time as the 82 reissue. And when the label closed in mid-80s, most of the tracks were unavailable for years until the 2004 reissue, which uh, when that came out, it lost the free courgettes track, but added the opening track recorded in 2004 and Sleigh Ride from a 1988 French TV show on Bells of Christmas uh, was also recorded in 2004. So yeah, there's actually a mix on here of some songs recorded out of step with the rest of them. Mm. Yeah, see which ones you can pick out of those. So, with that, shall we give this old festive record a spin? Yeah. So, to get a party starter off, we have My Silent Night. Yeah, which sounds like Kraftwerk. If they were being fronted by the chorister from the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet. Ah, nice. Like it. Agreed. I was going to say, tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. No, no, it's really... Yeah, so the singer is uh, Lizzie. I think that's pronounced Lizzie. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's ominous ominous bells and like, quite a haunting vocal. And as we've said before, I mean... You like a song that begins with the tolling of ominous bells, so I assume you're keen. I, I quite like it. I mean, kooky is the word. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of think it it doesn't totally work. No. Because it's... perhaps that sort of... Ba- well, I mean, maybe if you just sang it with a... a well, it was a man singing it with maybe a German accent, possibly in the band Kraftwerk. Yeah, I mean, I literally have written and sounds like faux Kraftwerk. Yeah. Or, or latter-day Kraftwerk. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. It's, just, it's the same thing. A bit like Tangerine Dreams. Tangerine Dream now just sounds like knockoff Tangerine Ooh, Dream from the 70s. Very, very, very big back catalogue, Tangerine Dream. Too big. I've, I've, been, I've been listening to the entire discography of Tangerine Dream for two years now, and I still haven't got to the end of it. Because in the latter stages, Adam... It's basically just new wave ambient bollocks, and it's really hard yeah, to get interested yeah. in it. I uh, I gave Osric Tentacles a listen and had a similar sort of experience going, oh, I see, it is it is just jamming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, My Silent Night, it's very sparse-sounding electro song. It sets, it sets the mood that what we're about to listen to in your mama's Christmas album... No, um, it it does set that tone. Um, it's also quite a jarring opening because it, it doesn't really sound like any of the others either. No, and as you say, it, it has a slightly Euro vibe to it, which belays the rest of the New York sound of the album. Yes, deeply Euro. Um, and the rest of the album is, as you say, uh, screamingly New York. Yeah, there's a, there's a handful. Offensively New York. I mean, there's a couple of songs on here which are just wretchedly Euro pop. Um, mm. And they're still to come, but yeah, the, the overall flavour is New York, so it is just like, yeah, you can really hear when you've added in these early two thousand songs recorded on Francais. Yes, I'm almost From... attempting to broaden the appeal. Yes, failing to do so. Oh, completely and utterly. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, I mean, uh... I do quite like Kraftwerk, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't say I dislike the song, but no, I... it's. 
The chorister from Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet is not a vocalist that I admire. <laughs> Although I'm sure that what they're doing is very technically proficient. It's not something that I like. Did you not like their version of When Doves Cry? No. Oh, I love that one. I know, but you're sitting in front of a poster of the same film. This is true. It's covered <laughs> so in tinsel, everyone. It's covered in tinsel. So I suspect... I mean, I watched that. I've watched that film a lot, and uh, I, I like it, but um, not enough to have a poster of it. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. What what film would you have a poster of? Um, Borrowers. <laughs> John Goodman. Probably Stuart Little. Yeah. Anything where somebody something small is being wily. <laughs> That's really all I need from a film. Mm. Is uh, or a, a gang of crooks. Being by being foxed by something small. Home Alone, that's good. Home Alone Three. Uh, I would like Die Hard more if somebody could confirm that Bruce Willis was very small. Um, until I get that confirmation, though, the film's dead to me. I can neither confirm nor deny this. So you must wander in this darkness. Such is life. Such is life. Uh, which really brings us round to track two, which for me is the real. Let's get this party started at our album opener. No More Christmas Blues by a certain Mr. Alan Vega. Yeah. Now, there are two songs mm -hmm. that he has a hand in. No More mm -hmm. Christmas Blues by Alan Vega. Mm -hmm. And um, what's it called? Hey Lord by Suicide, which is track 13. Yes. And they're exactly the same. Yes. Uh, I've written here... Exactly Adam, the same. Could, please tell me musically what the difference between these songs there is. There isn't any difference at all. And that made me think about Suicide in general, and I haven't done the full Suicide listen, but I just thought, oh, all Suicide songs just have that background. Do, 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 What's do, the name do, of do, the other do. guy? Is it, is it Martin Rev? Or... Yes, I always want to say Mercury Rev, but it's not Mercury. Yeah. It's Martin but, Rev, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to do the guy down, but what is he bringing? If it's mainly just Alan Vega breathily recounting over, ah! yeah, or as we know, sort of self-harming on stage whilst sporting some big sunglasses, that's not just it's the same song. Why did why are they both on the album? I don't. Know. Yeah, because if, if this one's just Alan Vega, presumably he's just programmed the keyboard. Do 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 do. So when. Martin Rev came in on the Suicide song did he literally just pick up Alan Vega's keyboard, find the pre-program track in there Alan Vega was presumably too drunk to realise the difference Yeah, all the other way around, like Martin Rev said oh, this is going to be our new one and he went ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I, I love Suicide, I love their first two albums the eponymous Suicide and the first album but I will say they I think because their sound was so different for the time, it works. But some of their songs kind of sound like the same, but with different lyrics. Yeah. And that's definitely happened. But track 13, Hey Lord, is actually, to, it sounds like a slowed down version of No More Christmas Blues. And No More Christmas Blues is a slow song to begin with. Yeah. Much, much the way that Marley was dead. Yeah, to begin with. Yeah, it's one of them would be fine and would would possibly provide a refreshing counterpoint to a lot of the other songs on the album. 
But them both being there, I don't know, were, were they intimidated by Alan Vega? Did nobody listen to it? Did nobody realise? Did people think, oh, by the time track 13 rolls around, people will go, ah, we, you've got the idea, you've got the idea. It's also interesting that certainly if we're going off a 2004 reissue, the decision to start the album with two pretty downbeat tracks. Yeah, if you consider the the the, the boisterous fun that's to follow. The, oh, yeah. I don't know why you'd... What, are we, is this the, your way of thinning the herd, weeding out? Yeah, yeah, for the unbelievers. Yeah. But yeah, no, because, th- yeah, the, the party is to come, everyone. Don't, don't, don't think this is a complete dirge, but, yeah, th- these two tracks right up front. Yeah. Um, and it, it is odd when you're, you, you have an album. Well, first, it's an odd thing to have Alan Vega anywhere near a Christmas album. It's odd if he's on two songs. Yep. And then it's yeah, also yeah. odd that in a, you know, a compilation like this, that he's probably potentially the biggest name on it. Certainly, can, in a, can, you know, maybe certainly the biggest name on it then. Um, yeah, most cachet. Probably not now. Um, no. Well, again, not in this country. That really would probably be the waitresses. But or August Darnell, if he'd gone with his stage name, um, because again, he was quite big in Europe. He was, yeah. Less so in the US. Yeah. So. As you can imagine, Alan Vega doing a Christmas song called No More Christmas Blues. Sounds exactly like you're imagining. I never celebrate Christmas Yeah, you don't get growly, Alan Vega. You get mumbly. Quavering. Alan Vega. That's, that's a solid impression if you've not heard it. I mean, we, we've pretty much just done it. But that, for longer, and actually it's two songs. Yeah, one slightly slower than... Yep. No need to go any further. That's all done for you. Uh that being said, because I have a penchant for Alan Vega and Suicide, I quite like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next, on the other hand, though, it's yeah! New Sir Saturday mornings. It's the all new adventures of Christina. <laughs> and then so that opens, and then the second, that guitar part, which, and frankly, the guitar could be being played by Reeves Cabrels. What's his name? Adrian Bellew. Yeah. Um, but it is actually John Was. Yeah, but it could it could be either of Gabrels or Bellew. And it sounds exactly like, I mean, not it's not the same song, but the style is... It's animated, it's Saturday morning, and there's probably teenagers that are having to save the world. And, you know, schools are being blown up and horrible mutants pour out the walls, that type of thing. Lots of people are doing somersaults. And that continues in the background throughout while um, a sardonic sort of no-wave artist dryly reads quite ironic lyrics about... (laughs) how crap everything is and how jokes about christmas being horrible yeah they i like the thought some of the lyrics were really funny actually i thought this is probably the marquee song oh yeah absolutely like they killed a tree of a hundred years yeah and then i i went to a party then i went home wept a bit and fed the cat there was we didn't have a tree so we put some of the my earrings that we were supposed to have pawned on a cactus But that is happening over a, a, a ludicrously <laughs> barnstorming riff. 
So the track begins with this ear-piercing, like, fairy tale bells and things going off to the point where it starts yeah, yeah. actually piercing in your ear. So the bells are there, and that's taking place over a school, okay? And then what happens musically, Mike? So we've just the camp panning on a, on a school, bells in the background, fine. Then imagine in the 90s cartoon X-Men, Gambit suddenly gets on top of the school and Beast is there with drums next to him. Yes, and he suddenly is. start going, down, 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 down. And that's when they notice that the toxic crusaders or something that looks gross is like climbing over the climbing frame in the schoolyard. And yeah. that's when Jubilee and the whole gang get stuck in. It's the most ridiculous musical backing for yeah. that vocal. For that vocal, yes. For that despondent kind of New York neophyte kind of oh, this is whatever, yeah, the no wave vibe and everything's the... awful. Is she British or is she just doing an accent? Uh, I believe she is American. I believe she, at the time she was in fact married to Michael Esteban of ZE Records. She does sound like she's doing an English accent, doesn't she? She does. But uh, she may just be going for posh. Just up, stuck up oh, New Yorker. It could be because, well, she calls it a flat as well, not an apartment. Oh, yeah, no, it could be. Got yeah. back to our flat. Yeah. But she does bend and the wept a bit slightly. Fed the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Things fall apart, but they'll never leave my heart. Uh, born in New York City. New York City. Oh, well, she only died this year. Oh, well. Age, age 64 in New York City. She's made an absolutely mental Christmas song. Do you know, the last four years or so, this has genuinely become one of my new Christmas favourites because you can just not deny that riff. No, you and, can't. And, and like you say, the, the lyrics are kind of charmingly sardonic. It's like, actually, that's a pretty good line, actually. And delivered in you know, a very dry, lovely way. But when listening to the vinyl version for the first time recently... The mix on that is very different affair, to the point of it's such a different mix, it's not the same song. It has yeah. like the same elements of there, but just for one thing, her voice on this version is heavily uh, got an echo on it, you realise? Mm. Whereas the original version is very flat and it really sits apart from the music. So, so you know, the remastered version, the 2004 version, is better. Oh yeah, I would heartily recommend listen to this version over it uh yeah the drums aren't as banging in it and that weird bell effect that pops in now and then for some reason when the school blows up yeah yeah when the school blows up um it, you, it's really it's just really incongruous on the vinyl version it disappears like mid-sentence out of nowhere it's like why the hell did you put that there it feels like a mistake so this one generally feels like it's been tidied up and remixed much for the much better effect on it yeah, I really like this one. Good. I'm glad you finally like one. <laughs> I mean, I don't dislike the others, and I, but I think you are correct in that this is the first time I've listened to it, and I kept I kept putting it on as a Christmas album, mm. and then it's it's just not giving me what I want. Yeah, which is as I say, depressing ubiquity. I'm <laughs> going. This isn't this isn't Band Aid. Well, come <laughs> on, I can't be expected. I can't be jolly to this. I mean, you can't be jolly to this anyway, but... I mean, what we'll say for this is... I feel like, ask me next year. Exactly. Do you know what I'll, I mean? I will come <laughs> back to you and say, hey, are you, are you going to put Christina on this year? 
you chances are you'll say yes. Chances are you'll say, I've been listening to it all year, baby. Christina, probably. Um, whether or not some of the others? Mm, Distinctly so unlikely. I always found it interesting as well when I've uh, done some readings on Christina. But um, her second album, released on Mercury Records in 1984, uh, then, which also produced by Don Was, who produced this song, uh, the album cover for it was then kind of taken... Um, this, the idea for it was then taken by Grace Jones's Slave to Rhythm album a few years later. But, but, Slave to the Rhythm Sade? No, that's Grace Jones. Oh. Slave to the Rhythm. How can you get Sade mixed up with Grace Jones? God my knowledge that. of Grace Jones is, I would say, even less than my knowledge of Sade. I, I bizarrely have quite a rich knowledge of Grace Jones. Having Rich. Rich knowledge. I, I read her autobiography and then gave her entire discography a stop listening to. What's her I bet her autobiography's fantastic. Oh yeah, it's a great read. I've got I bet it, it is, I've got yeah. it like that. She's a fascinating woman. Oh she is, yes. Uh, yeah, so things fall apart. Um this this was one of the main reasons I, I wanted to bring this album to the party, just because I just it's not just a song for Christmas, Adam. It's a song for all year round. Oh, yeah. It's a song because the beauty of it is that people, can, their lives can fall apart and they can be deeply sad and troubled the whole year round. And it's important to remember that. Mm, no, I, 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 Christina, bearing in mind that I came into this totally blind and I, I, I message you. So this is the track three and I didn't message you until this came on when suddenly my ears like, perked up. Is that... Oh, oh, now we're talking. Now we're in business. I, it's the all-new adventures of the animated X-Men, but a sarcastic New Yorker is here as well. I was really hoping you'd like that song. And you were, you, you were bang right. Yes. Um, the next track, then, is something of a uh, bit of a damp squib after it. Yeah, so you, you get away from that thunderous riff, and then suddenly you just get some ubiquitous... Christmas bells for yeah, the bells I mean, of Christmas. It is quite nice to have something that it sounds legitimately Christmassy, though. It is the first legitimately Christmassy thing on the album. Yeah. I remember when the Darkness released theirs. They said they basically wrote it to a recipe for, and and they absolutely nailed it as well. Which was just catchy chorus, lots of bells, references to presents. But the key ingredient, I think, is lots of bells. Hmm. I mean, they even put them in the title of the song. But Bells of Christmas is it's dreck, it's forgettable, but it, it's is, Chris, it is festive. It is festive, yeah. It's also a complete party stopper after Christina. Um, yeah, it's got, I believe it was also the other one recorded in 2004. So it then you got that Euro pop sensation to it again. Uh yeah, it's it's got some nice horns in the background and some tacky yeah, but, sounding synths. But if you want tacky sounding synths and bells in the background, then you really just want to go straight through it and you've got to land on track five, don't you? If we're all honest with ourselves. Mm. I mean, Bells of Christmas will not be featured on any festive playlist that I devise. I mean, admittedly, I can't see why I'd ever would devise a festive playlist because what I want from a festive playlist is, as I've said, already catered for in an album called something like Now That's What I Call Christmas, which is really all I need. Obviously, I know from bitter experience that you do devise festive playlists 
and they sometimes run to four hours. Mm-hmm. Encompassing 50 years of festive magic. Yep, that's the tagline we sell it on. So I'm just trying to see what my latest playlist does actually add up to. Uh, have you got Jethro Tull Solstice Bells? Of course I bloody have. I've been listening to the sodding Jethro Tull Chris album this very day. <laughs> this very day. God, you have been watching A Christmas Carol, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> you boy! The, the Victorian Argo. Oh God, I'm trying to get to the bottom of the list. Uh, 4,512 minutes of Christmas songs. Want to come to my house and listen to some Christmas music? I mean, yeah. I don't want to listen to that much Christmas music, but... but some of Christmas music. Yeah, it sounds pretty good, though, yeah. Some, some is better than others. Correct me if I'm wrong. Some of that is designed to be sp- spoken over. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Have you... Because oh, I remember when you and I did a playlist for uh, one of the few parties that we held at university, we we were att- like Eno and Bowie attempting to control the ebb and flow. <laughs> oh, dance floor, yes. Oh, we put we put effort into that track listing. The, yeah, the way so then, it flowed from one into the next. Certainly not the way Christina flows into Bells of Christmas. No, no, but you you thought, oh, people have had a couple of bangers. They're going to need some downtime now. They need some time to go get a drink. Yeah. Yeah, a couple yeah. of tracks where people can just you know mingle in the background. Absolutely. Um, Perhaps meet a lover. <laughs> yeah, bells of Christmas. We're going to say forgettable festive fair. Yeah, should, should also say it is by Miss O.D. and the Gentleman League. And I mean, that's the most memorable thing about it for me is the band, the Gentleman League. Yeah, and fair, and also that's absolutely fair. The song was originally written by the Beach Boys in the seventies. Oh yeah, uh, was it was it spelt the same? I just feel like the Beach Boys would have spent spelt bells with like an extra e, so they're actually talking about you know hot chicks or beals of Christmas. No, not the beals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beals. The beals of Christmas. Hey guys, I've written this song about all the great beals. <laughs> the the. Brad, the, the Beals. Be, be, Beals. <laughs> Sounds right, Mike Love. Shut up, Mike Love. Stop it. Stop being nasty to me. The Beals. Beals of Christmas. Wow. Our, our Brian Wilson's whiny. Do. <laughs> They've written so many gems. <laughs> Yeah, the Beals of Christmas, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, well, I don't care for it. <laughs> Surfing Safari! Help me, Wunder. Um, yeah, Christmas wrapping, Christmas wrapping, Christmas wrapping, Christmas wrapping. Should we move on to the next song, then? Yes, please. Which is... Christmas wrapping by the waitresses. Come on, everyone, you know how it goes. If you're from the UK. Yeah. What an absolute smash it is. 
And it's, I'd say this one's become more year on year every Christmas, even more highly regarded Christmas song. Yes, I think uh, it's definitely been a bit of a grower. Yeah, I remember late 90s as a bit of a left field choice when it appeared on like best of Christmas albums and stuff. So, oh, this is this is 80s edition. But, Definitely, because it was only like number 40 odd. It w- wasn't a hit. Although, yeah, it, bear in mind, it was in the 80s where the yeah. like even a top 40 hit is still selling some some big numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I think it got to number 42 in the UK. So, and, and I believe, again, in America, it's slowly grown a bit of cult status. But again, it, I don't think it's ever been a massive hit in the, the US either. It should. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's a great storytelling song. It's got a great um, hook to it. I love the surfer rock rhythm guitar. Yeah. It's got those just ever-present 80s pop song horns on it. Yeah. But they're not, they're not abrasive and they're not... Um, no. You know, would you know what I meant if I said they're not offensively 80s? No, the same way that maybe the horns on Echo and the Bunnyman's The Cutter are. Um, possibly, but I, I really like the cutter. But I mean more like, say, the horns, perhaps, for example, on some of David Bowie's Tonight. Oh, the Borneo horns. Yes, or some of the horns on Never Let Me Down. Ah, the shitty horns. <laughs> the, sh- the shitty, the the shitty sh- 80s horns. The shitty horn. Yeah. They don't sound like that. It this sounds like uh, it, it sounds like it's got more production in it as well though. It it like somebody spent a lot more time on this than some of the others which have a half finished vibe to them. Yeah, some of the songs on the sound are very sparse whereas this this is a very warm rounded Lavish song. Affair, yeah. yeah. And all the better for it. I mean and the the bass on it it's I I forget who is the bass player, but it's full blown like Nar Roger Sheik style. Yeah, I, I think that wasn't the drummer in television. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So you know, some some good people in it. Yeah. How, how many people are singing? Uh, I believe it's just Patty Donahue. Because it it sometimes sounds like there's like two or three of them. Yeah, you know that's definitely. I mean. a, it sounds uh, like uh, I know they're called the waitresses, and yeah. that obviously suggests a, a plural girl band. But there are moments when it sounds like there's two or three of them. But, but her voice is so sort of droll. Mm. It's it's really good. Yeah, so I believe I got the turkey. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was uh, Patty Donahue, um, who I think also sung uh, "I Know What Boys Like." Yes, yes, she did. Yeah. Which she... was the album they'd done, uh, which is, is how the waitresses were able to get a, a deal, was on the strength of, I know what boys like. I know what... De- That's a good song. Yes, it is. Yes, mm. yes, it is. The waitresses yeah. have got, like, two albums. Mm. None of which I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more! <laughs> Other than this, and I know what boys like. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely forgot. Or did I ever know, Adam, that the Spice Girls covered this in 1998? Now, again, I haven't heard that, or at least I probably have heard that, but I don't remember hearing it. I feel that's... And I suspect, because I, at the t- I was very aware of the Spice Girls, so I suspect I have heard it, but it's so indistinguishable from the original to render it moot. 
I, I have a feeling that's what's gone down here. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what's occurred. That's what's gone down. <laughs> yeah, that, Word on the street is it's uh, redundant. <laughs> hey man, here on the street, the Spice, hey man, <laughs> Spice Girls have covered the waitresses, man, but it's totally redundant. Is, is it? That's actually tell me more. What news on the Spice Girls? They're redundant, man. man. Hey, Serpico. <laughs> it's my life, you fuck. <laughs> Said Jerry Hattie while she left the Spice Girls. <laughs> because then she covered Serpico. But she did it in so note for note, surrendering it moot. Moot. Just moot everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I remember queuing up for Jerry Halliwell's Serpico album in 1999. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, she never turned up because she was also trying to root corruption out of the NYPD at the same time. So uh, She had too many projects going on at the time, really. Yeah, spinning a lot of plates. Yeah, n- not one of them got the full attention it deserved. It's forever been her problem. Really, has. Uh, so I think we're we, we're agreed that the waitress is is an absolute smash. Oh, I was, was going to use the word smash. It's an absolute smash. Yeah, it's a total joy, and it continues if, to be. And if for whatever reason you are one of those people that have not heard it, although how it's, it's so good, it makes a lot of. I mean, I, I pretty much like all of the big Christmas hits, but that one deserves its place completely. Okay. It genuinely does, like, because there are some some of the big hitters gone a little bit. Um, a term we used on the old David Bowie podcast was the rebel rebel effect, where yes. songs became so overplayed they just kind of lost all meaning and sense to them. I mean, that's less of a that's less of an issue, certainly in my life, with a Christmas song because mm-hmm. I actually probably only hear snatches of them in shops, really, or when I actively choose to put on a Christmas playlist. I don't really listen to the radio or anything like that. So it's I'm not happening across them a lot. Or you start playing them from the 1st of February. Yeah. Well, I'm not you. I haven't got a full 50 years to get through by December. So it doesn't really bother me that they're sort of evergreen. But it's, it's certainly, yes, the first full flush of youth has faded from Shaking Stevens. But... <laughs> it hasn't from this. This sounds no. ev- fresh as a daisy. It really does. Me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Still barnstorming. Then the next song, n- uh, not so me. much. Oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, so this is Sleigh Ride by Helen uh, Nagura, Leo, and Marie, Marie France. Now, tell me about this. This is not the version that everybody knows, is it? Or is no, it? No, no. Everybody... I mean, it's the same song. So yeah, it covers a sleigh rider, ten a penny, but you know, the main one's a Phil Spector one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, if I'm trying to remember. Is it the Crystals who do that? Uh, okay, yeah, it might be. I could easily, I, you know what? How could I find this out, Adam? Where where could I find this information out? Oh, just go to your Live Aid DVD and have a little look. <laughs> ah, Phil Collins. 
yes, so this one was recorded in 1988 and was originally made for a French TV show. Um, and from the sound of this, I'm guessing it was some kind of Euro trash-like cheesy bollocks on French TV. Because mm. I, I dislike this song intensely. Yes, and you're right to do so. Mm. Um, because it's, it's taken the nostalgic sheen of this piece and it's covered it in sugar. Oh, it's camped it right up. It's just, it's, the whole thing is so sickly and sort of saccharine. I mean, I can imagine it now. I've, I've, no, I've never seen um, the three performers. I've never seen the TV show it was made for, never saw this performed. I can imagine they're performing this with wry old smiles, potentially too much cleavage out. There's probably some dirty old men in the background with mustaches, giving a bit of an half a low face. And bawdy. I'm imagining bawdiness. And I don't care for it, Adam. I don't want bawdy my Christmas. No, there's no place for bawdy, is there? Unless it's um, in Scrooged, which uh, is delivered with the correct amount of irony. And also disapproval. So... Yeah, I'm, yeah. All, I, 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 I'm up for a bit of fun, but just... Keep it clean, kids. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. I just, I, I always dislike that kind of just, um, boobs funny everyone kind of you postcard humour. I just can't be doing with it. Benny Hill. Yeah, it's that kind of yeah. It's, it's not. I don't find it funny. It's just, it just pisses me off. Well, I mean, because it's not funny anymore, is it? No. I don't like. I never thought Carry On was funny. Yeah, they kind of rubbish. They just depress me now. I have never, I've no, I've never. I don't think I've sat through all of one. I've, I've seen chunks, and every time it's been on, I've sort of just got up and left the room and done something else because I'm not, I'm not watching all of this. This is tutting as you leave a room. This is so I mean, fatuous. I mean, it just a, implies a... that all men and women are. That's all they are. <laughs> well, I believe in nineteen. 19- Late 1960s Britain, they certainly were, weren't they? But in late 60s Britain, like, the Beatles were redefining things. But our film industry was chiefly tits. Both metaphorically and physically. (laughs) Quite right, quite right. Anybody that has ever, I don't know, in a a challenging pre-internet Channel 5 sort of way, watched Confessions of anything at all <laughs> has thought enough of the jokes just 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 show them <laughs> <laughs> just just release them <laughs> i'm not here for you robin asquith <laughs> then the internet arrived and we didn't need that anymore we didn't need them anymore and frankly actual women arrived and then <laughs> your imagination did the rest <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so far on this album, Sleigh Ride is probably least favourite. So at this point, probably the halfway point, got Christina, the waitresses. Yeah, Helen Vega. It's, mm. it's not been it's not been a gr- grand old fair. So tight, so tight, no, no, so no. far. No. Well, hopefully that picks up with Christmas Fever by I'm going to destroy this pronunciation. Charlie Couture, Charlie, Charlie. That sounds plausible. Charlie Couture. Hang on a second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, firstly... It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. 
the riff on it pretty sounds... Pretty cool, you know? It's pretty cool. Pretty, Christmas pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. That bass line, to me, sounds like a slightly sped up Ain't No Sunshine. Doom, doom, yeah. doom. I, do, I forget the lyrics, but I really like the... Uh... Ain't no sunshine. No, no, no. The, um, when the chorus... Christmas fever. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Birth night. <laughs> Christmas fever feeling so right. Or something. Yeah. Or uh, words to that effect. Blah, 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 Christmas fever. Yeah, every once in a while, kind of, you hear uh, Mr. Couture's uh, Gallic accent when he's like, spirits, chocolate, and vine. Yeah. Um, oh, I haven't really noticed, but yep, there it is. Uro. Yeah, and I, I've written here that this sounds like it could be a song by Squeeze. Or 10cc. Yes, it could. It's got that kind of just ramshackle, let's throw lots of different sounds into this mix. Quite, quite so, quite so. Yeah. And at times his vocals are almost borderline Les Claypool. Yes, although I think there are other songs that are more primus mm. than this one. Oh, yeah, I don't think so much musically. but And I think anybody that's listened to the album and also knows who Primus are would probably already know where I'm going with that. And, uh, yeah, Mr. Couture uh, has recorded over 25 albums and 17 soundtracks. So, God in heaven. He's quite prolific. What did you see? Nothing. 25 albums of that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All that style. Yes, uh, Shalil... I'm still trying to work out the guy's name. Uh, Couture. He was the first French Charlie. artist. Charlie. 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 Couture. Uh, is the first French artist signed to Island Records. Uh, but yes, this, this song does sound a bit like Squeeze. And I will say I'm not a big Squeeze fan. So this, for me, goes on a little bit too long. Yeah, that says it's welcome just a little bit. Not yes. as much as the next song, though. It, it's a big country. Now, first of all, cards on the table. I can't hear the name. It's a big country. Without thinking of that line from The Simpsons, when he takes a cigarette for Patty and Selma. Is th- are these your cigarettes, sir? Yes, I am in flavour country. Both of them? <laughs> it's a big country. It's a big country. I just think of the film The Big Country. But that line from The Simpsons is better than this whole song. Oh, yes, it really is. It's forgettable country guff. It's, it's, do you know what? Because what I'll say for the other songs on this album, apart from Bells of Christmas, which is just, and it's gone, even Sleigh Ride with its Euro trashy bollocks, you still remember it. This is so ineffectual and pleasant that it's just in one ear out the other. Yeah, but not pleasant in the good way, like casting. No, 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 no. This is, this is the bad pleasant where it's like, Oh, wasn't that wasn't that nice? Well done, you. No, I forgot your name already, David yeah. Sigerson. That's what that would sit perfectly happily in a magic playlist. Yes. Because you don't remember it at all. You don't know when it started or finished. It's just pleasant goth noise. It really is. It's it's so like Christopher Cross. Boring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, if you if you bookend this with 
Alan Vega and the Suicide Song, which is like, which is different. It's what a weird album this it's is. A schizophrenic album, really is. But that being said, I mean, what's more interesting than the song itself is David Sigerson, because when I Wikipedia'd him, it, right? So he went to Oxford. He came from the US, but went to Oxford. He then became a music journalist in the US. Uh, sorry, UK. Went back to the US and wrote for like Rolling Stone and Time. Then he uh, signed to ZE in 1980, done it off the back of what? And he went on to write uh, some songs with people like Gene Simmons and John Entwistle. He oh. produced music for Olivia yeah, Newton. John, John Entwistle. Yeah. From John Entwistle's fabulous glittering solo career. Yes. The who's who of John Entwistle. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he produced for Livia Newton-John, The Bangles and Tori Amos. He became president of Polydor Records in 1991, president of EMI in 94, chairman of Island Records for one year in 1998. I've got to ask, what did he have on people? And then <laughs> he, he wrote lyrics for a song from the Muppet film It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas. He must... It... There's, there's no who... signs of his brilliance in this song. Who is he? Who is, this, who is this man Sigerson? Who is this polymath? Zenig <laughs> like filler. Yeah. <laughs> why has he why has he left this all over a record? <laughs> he's left this on the bottom of our shoes. Who's left this here on a Christmas record? It's amazing how he's president and chairman of so many different companies for such a short spell of time though. Mm. Do you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. Something to be read into that, isn't there? Oh dear, oh dear, no, 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 no. If he just kept trying to put this song on other people's albums. Hey, have you have you listened to It's a Big Country? I think you'll find it quite the hot ditty. Um, we're not actually sure, David. In which case, screw you. I'm going to Polydor. Hey, Polydor, I'm real glad to be here. Oh, fuck you, you're here, David. Have you listened to It's a Big Country? Hmm, about that. Fuck off, man. I'm going to Ireland. For a spell. For for a brief spell. Yeah, on Wikipedia, then did say, and, and Jim Henson asked him to write a song for It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas. Jim Henson had been dead 30 years at this point. So, <laughs> come on, whoever wrote that. Come on. Hey, Jim Henson production. Hey, <laughs> hey. hey. would well, you want to write a ditty? You look like a pleasant fellow who... <laughs> I could enjoy the uh, pleasant stylings of, yay! Hey, do you want to write something uh, inoffensive for uh, one of the more forgettable films? Oh, my, will be forgettable. <laughs> I once I mean, tried doing something like Longfellow. We're going to do two Christmas films, that's the plan, and uh, one of them will be rightly regarded as a classic. <laughs> Which one am what I involved I... with? <laughs> you well... must it, David. <laughs> the other one. Um, yeah. Not a fan. No, it's, it's, uh... Yeah, I liked it. Oh, well, good for you, Jim. <laughs> Glad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it really stands out on the album because it's the most acoustic-sounding yeah. thing as well. You just suddenly get this very... It doesn't even sound remotely Christmassy. No, it's just a really... Where are the bells, David? Where are the bells? It's just a really jingly jangly folk country song. It just has yeah. no business on this album. This no New bells. York album. It doesn't. It doesn't have bells, or it doesn't have wry arch lyrics, which the most mm. successful songs on the album do have. Oh, ah, uh, yes. 
has no has no business here. No business here at all. No, whereas there's nothing so sublime as Christmas on Riverside Drive. They uh, yeah, 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 yeah. really like this. <laughs> I thought Good. that this was what I wanted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is Christmas fun. It seems to me that August Darnell understood the brief in a, in a way that David Sigerson did not. Can you bring your unique style to a Christmas song? Yeah, I think I got yeah, you. Yeah, of course I can, yeah. It'll have sort of a loose, vaguely... There'll be elements of salsa and calypso in there. I'll sound... Like I'm trying to have sex with the microphone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, on some levels, it was slightly amusing. But the the rhyming of Sublime with <laughs> Riverside Drive was really nice as well. Going, well, they've both got an eye in them, sure. <laughs> hey, it's Christmas, anything can happen. Hey. Yeah, but... I was reading about, I feel like I don't know anything about Kid Creole and the Coconuts, but I'd like to, because it said... I didn't realise that Kid Creole was like a full character yeah. that he adopted, that he said was like a a fearless bon vivant, <laughs> devil may care bon vivant. I thought, God, a devil may care bon vivant is how I would like to be if I wasn't obviously crippled with imposter syndrome. <laughs> so, if you could just wear a zoot suit the whole time and be described as, as I say, a devil may care bon vivant, how happy would you be? Whenever I listen to this, I always picture Lando Carizian singing it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's the little Spiv moustache, isn't it? It is. It really is. It's so central. <laughs> you know, this and Christina for me are the, the absolute two. Well, the, masterpieces. The sort of Lando Carizian, but dressed as a cat from Red Dwarf, or Jim Carrey in the mask, or Jim Carrey in the mask, but not green and with a little no. moustache. Because that's so essential. You, the the mustache really is essential it to, really the, to the ties whole it thing. It ties the whole caper. If you had a character like Kid Creole, I don't know why you'd ever go back to being yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the records sound like, but apparently they were pretty big in Europe for a spell. Yeah, um, I don't know where August ends and Kid Creole begins. Well, Christmas on Riverside Drive is is it, it oozes with fun. Yes. It's quite. It's very. It's quite slow and sweeping. Yeah, it's just. It opens that joyous guitar, that and then that bass kicks in. Rye crooning. Yeah, because it's almost. It's sort of half spoken as well, isn't it? He's. It is. Yeah. He only lifts himself into actually singing on like a handful of bars. It's. And I like that towards the end as well when it's um he just starts saying, Ooh, uh, taking a sleigh ride, giddy up, ooh, uh, taking a sleigh ride. Yeah. And then there's about three or four different songs going on in, in here as well in a space of four Completely. minutes. If the in the, the whole album thus far, it is unless I've completely misread the song, it's the only one that's enjoying Christmas. <laughs> Yes, because <laughs> uh, the the two other great songs so far, Christina and the Waitresses, have, are both pretty sarcastic. 
Whereas Christmas on Riverside Drive seems to just be about how, how cool it all is. I may, as I say, I may have misread it. I've only listened to it a handful of times, but it just it seems like everybody's having a great time. Is it? We, we, I will spend the holiday roasting chestnuts and drinking syrup from a wooden cane. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, he's I, having a sexy party, and you want to go is. to it, and, it, and he's he having it on Riverside. And Riverside Drive is clearly an exclusive address where only oh, yeah. the most fabulous people go to Augusta Danell's party. Just the second verse: "Take me along, old Broadway, that sophisticated tramp, and pull yeah. it to a stop when you hear the doorman shout. It's good to have you back, and when I play upon her doorbell, Jack Frost will run and hide. Oh me, oh my!" That's yes. that's essential, and I like the fact. What what does the doorman say to him? Good to have you back again. It's good to have you back. Yeah. All people yeah. everywhere say that to him everywhere he goes, even if he's never been there before. <laughs> because until he came back or arrived, you didn't know you were missing him. But now there he is. Oh yeah, nothing so sublime as Christmas, Christmas on Riverside Drive. yeah, I love I love this song. This is um, this has possibly become one my new favorite Christmas song of the last few years. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's just, and you can you can listen to it any other time of year because it's joyous and partyrific, but it's not so Christmassy. It's it, it could only exclusively to do it Christmas. No, no, I, I don't think it has bells on it. But uh, no. it's no, it's no poorer for that. No, no, no. It's if anything, it, you could you could happily listen to this all year round because it's like summer at Christmas time. Yes, uh, I actually feel like I could listen to another song on this album. Um, the whole year round as well, but we'll come to that. I think Christmas on Riverside Drive is, well, I mean, basically the album is 13 songs, five of which I think are Scorchers, and <laughs> that some other songs are also there. They're also here as well, taking up valuable room. But again, like we said before, about the waitresses has got more, it seems like more time has been spent on it. The same mm. again. Oh this, yeah, this sounds like a fully August round Darnell song. has put a lot of effort in, and or his team and his band have put an enormous amount of time into this. I would, I'd be the first to say to him, "Well done, Mister Darnell. Well done. Well done. Love it. It's great. Yep, great. Again, happy you like that one because that was one of that would have been the one where it's like, well, oh, come on, Adam, why don't oh, you like Christmas Riverside what Drive? Sort of joyless Neb, would you have to be to not <laughs> enjoy that? Oh, thank God you said it. It's a holiday, let's celebrate. Yeah, this one sounds like a lot of pop songs from the period. Well, it sounds about six, five or six years out of date at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very Studio 54 sounding in 1982, 1981. I quite like this one. I, oh, no, I, I do. I don't love it. But I do. No. I like it more than um, some of the ones I've been quite eh about. Oh yeah. So this is because uh, I'm mainly. By... A, I think the bass is is really yeah. enjoying the workout. It's a holiday by Material and Nona Hendrick, and uh, Nona Hendrick, I believe, was one third of Labelle, who uh, oh. sang Lady Marmalade. Ah. 
Yeah, and material, and material started off as an experimental rock band that segued into more, as you can hear, funky disco yeah. vibes. Uh, yeah, and some of it, some of material would go on to work with Herbie Hancock on Future Shock, which gave a world rocket. And some of the members would go on to record songs with people like Marilyn Manson and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hmm. What, so a, some interesting people what a disparate crew. Yeah. Do you think uh, any yeah, of them got those gigs on the strength of It's a Holiday? Let's celebrate. <laughs> yeah, like I say, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this song, but it's a solid three-star affair. It's, yeah, it's exactly it, what it is. But I also think it should be earlier on in the record. Yeah, it, it, we could welcome some of its late it, some of Some of its cheer podcast. would have been useful earlier on. Yeah, it's, it's one of them songs that starts at a pace and then just continues at that same pace throughout. It never really picks up or goes down. Like it's literally three song. minutes. Yeah, it's just three minutes of... It's a holiday, let's celebrate, and continue for three minutes till it stops. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. And then it goes again. It's simple and it's fun. That's exactly what it is. Um, I mean, I, I got nothing else to add. I, I think you re- that's exactly what it is. It is a solid three-star affair. However, I think that track 11 is more than three stars. And also, the, the dance to it should always be this. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure how to describe say, it, everyone. I know, it's impossible to describe and it doesn't work on a podcast, but... Imagine <laughs> several atrocities being Christmas committed. Christmas time in the city. I think you got it now, everyone, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... It's the sister piece to Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al Yankovic from, uh, again, the Transformers album. Please wait for our future episode. It's dumb as a stump. Yeah, so this is Christmas Time in the Motor City by Was Not Was, who have already appeared on the album, basically as Christina's backing band. Aren't Was Not Was an al- uh, a duo rather than a band? I believe so. I believe it was Don and... What was the other was, brother? And not Do- was. Donnie? Yeah, Don and Donnie. Don the, and Donnie. The was The Wazers. The what was us? Um, it's incredible to think that he went from this to like working with Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don was has... Again, a bit like Mr. David Segerson. Absolutely <laughs> preposterous career. Uh, what, what the dinosaur? Yeah, they, to, they made what the dinosaur to to producing and co-writing with Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to get that guy. He is the guy with the dinosaur. Oh, sorry, now be like, hey, you get a dinosaur. Ooh, hey. Ooh, I mean, I don't really care for Bob Dylan actually, but which you're not supposed to admit. <laughs> but. I have to admit, um, the new album, Murder Most Foul, it's it's hard not to get lost in that song. Ooh. It's just 17 minutes and there's no structure to it. And it's just this beautiful, just ramshackle piano and guitar. And it's like ambient. And yeah, I could happily just listen to an hour of it. It's difficult not to admire him. Mm. I mean, not least because of his enormous back catalogue of, of songs that mean so much to people. But when, you know, like he's in the news this week for selling his back catalogue for an enormous amount of money. Hey, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, you're 
you're, you're very old. Just enjoy your fabulous wealth if you want to. Yeah. But they even for all that money, they couldn't get like a statement from him. <laughs> he didn't comment publicly at all. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, what would X million pounds or whatever it was? And 350 not, million. 350 million. They're not going to be com commenting at all. Not publicly. What, what were they expecting from the man who didn't even accept his own, like, his own Nobel Prize? Yeah, his own Nobel yeah. Prize. And then sends Patty Smith to get his lyrics wrong. Incredible scenes. What an arse. <laughs> what a, you've got what to, a fabulous arse, though. You've got to admire his chutzpah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You simply must. And you can tell that he was listening to Christmas time at the border city. Yeah, this really sounds like a B-52 song. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, it I, sounds like the B-52s or Will Ferrell as the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boinkers. Boinkers. Yeah. Uh, I've just I, been bit by the love bat. I have to say at this point, I think you and I diverge on this song a little bit. I think it's I, so I can't, I can't I can't claim to love this song. <laughs> it's so much fun. Just, <laughs> you know, like some songs are, are fun, but do I really want to be listening to this song? Can I do a minute yeah. of it? Now that's you know that's that this is that song. Like, ah yeah, I'll get I mean I'll I'll get the joke. You can probably finish now. Nah. Um, easily top three. <laughs> Of all time, yeah, it's, yeah, of all time, all time, yeah. It's uh, it's madness. It's it, it's 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 joyful lunacy. It, it, yeah, it's it is. Yeah, it's just barnstorm these shit crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's again, smooth there's about... fun of Christmas on Riverside Drive. It's it's a it's like an emetic to purge you of all the the. Sexy party that you've just been to. Yes, because now Weird Al Yankovic has turned up with, yes, Gallag with Gallagher. Mm. Oh, hi, everybody. Is that how he sounds? It could be. I, so. I got to smash this with Alan. Yeah. He, ne he never translated over here, did he? He, was, he must have been a big deal because he's on every single sort of American sitcom and everything of the, the last... What, 25 years? He's referenced. I think he's but... too cerebral for the UK audience. <laughs> of course, yes. We wouldn't have got hitting a melon with a hammer. Mm. That can't be all there is. It can't be. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got a list here of who Don Was has now gone to produce for. Uh, Rolling Stones, Roy Orbison, Willie Nelson, Solomon Burke, Iggy Pop, The Highwaymen, Elton John, Ringo Starr, Bob Seger, Van Morrison, Brian Wilson, and several other people. So a catalogue of no marks... <laughs> yeah. How how did he translate Christmas time in Motor City in the and the City. Um, Boom 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 Which I think is an infinitely better song. Um, it is, but Christmas time in the Motor City is dun, 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 dun. It's 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 I mean, not a, it's not a million miles away from yeah, what the dinosaur. Don was definitely knows his way around a riff. Yeah, uh, I, it makes me think, to be honest with you, that I need to listen to a was not was album. Although if it didn't sound basically as barnstorming and stupid as those two records, <laughs> I'd be a bit disappointed. If the rest of it was contemplative folk, I'd be very <laughs> upset. 
So anything more on Christmas time in the Motor City? Um, no, but I would urge anybody, even if they're less inclined to listen to the whole album, to just listen to this one. This and Christina. You've probably already heard The Waitresses. Oh, and, and obviously Riverside Drive. But um, that's, that's really all you need. Uh, because the next one, don't let the title fool you. It's very, very odd. Christmas with Satan by James White. Now, first of all, I was all geared up to like this because Christmas with Satan, let's not forget, Mike. That sounds exactly like the name of the Christmas song that our friend would write. If yes. he were to ever attempt to write a Christmas song, and he does write songs, he has a band, that is the title that he would, he would land on. We have a friend who may come to a party soon who would do that. Uh, I mean, he's guaranteed to not listen to this, but so we don't know. He will likely, in all likelihood, be joining us, and that is literally what he would write. (laughs) However, I think I would rather listen to Christmas with Satan that he would write Mm. than James White. Yeah, so this starts off pretty well because it's got a guitar sound that to me sounds a bit like Mark Ribbo from a certain artist album called Rain Dogs. Yes, there is... Well, that's interesting, because I was going to... Yeah, you're about to ring the Tom Waits bell. <laughs> the Tom Waits bell! Because <laughs> I was going to say there's a slight Captain Beefheart vibe to this, yeah. which is clearly covered by the Tom Waits reference. Yeah, but there's a little bit of little bit of Captain Beefheart in this. Yeah, but it... it, it in the not... saxophone as well. In the scronk noise. Yeah, because this word already ramshackle. It's got nothing quite meshes together, and you've got these ear-piercing horns, which are just doing like Santa Claus is coming to town. They're quite obnoxious sounding and irritating, and it's grating. And I get that is the point of the song. the The song is supposed to be annoying, but it's six minutes. It's six minutes long. Yeah, it really uh, outstays its welcome, doesn't it? I get the joke after a minute of it. I don't need six minutes of it. And no. James White's vocal is some kind of lesser version of Mick Jagger and Lou Reed. Oh, Lou- yeah, that's what I was going to say. That He is obsessed with Lou Reed. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like it has been tossed off. as like, you know... James, we're going to need everyone on the record label to do a Christmas song. Oh, man, I don't do you like Christmas song. Uh, hey, 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 Christmas, man. It's not cool. I, I do a song about Satan, yeah. Hey, I'm going to call Christmas with Satan, and I'm going to st- I'm gonna make it six minutes long, and I'm going to stuff it with phrases from well-known carols, and then everybody will know how much I don't give an F. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> and yeah. make it over six minutes long. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're doing the voice there of some some well-known brothers from the David Bowie universe. Mm-hmm. But that is exactly the sort of joke they would do, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, don't care for Christmas with Satan at all. Apart uh, from Mark Ribbo sounding guitar riff. I could have done. There are, I like um, discordant saxophone placed over songs. I like Captain Beefheart. I like Rain Dogs. But I uh, didn't like Christmas with Satan. In, 
In fact, the guitar riff sounds very similar to uh, from Frank's Wild Years, uh, Hang On St. Christopher. Hang on St. Christopher. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that, that's probably better than Christmas for Satan. It is, yeah. So, do you know what I've realised at this point, bringing this album to part A? Yeah. I don't really like this album that much. No, you really like four songs on it, though, don't you? In my head, when I suggested it, I was like, oh, Adam's great. It's a great Christmas album. It's so it's different not, though, is it? anything else. No, it's got, it's got like four songs on it. They're really good, and the rest of it's yeah, pretty yeah. shite. Yeah, Christina's great. The Waitress is great. Yeah. August Darnell is great. Right. And uh, I think we can all agree that Was Not Was is, is more fun than anybody deserves to have. Murky at best. <laughs> In the modern but, city. But yeah, again, then you've got, you got others. I like the two Alan Vega songs, yeah. which are saved. But, but let, let's just so top you like it all the Alan off. Vega song. Yeah. I, and then the, this version of the album finishes off with Hey Lord by Suicide. It could just be Alan Vega again, or it could have been Suicide before. Not quite sure, because it's pretty much the same song, it's everyone. I mean, it's, it's a much more dignified affair, certainly, than Christmas with Satan. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more statesman-like. It really is. Um, I mean, Alan Vega at this point has been drinking for several hours since he last recorded the other song, so at this point he is just drunkenly mumbling. Oh, my and uh, yeah, it it does sound like a more slow down version of No More Christmas Blues to the point where it's becoming almost ambient. Ambient is one word. Embarrassing is another. Unnecessary is another. I mean, unnecessary, yes. Um, Futile. Yeah, I, and I like Suicide, apart from their 90s output, which was terrible. I just don't care. I don't care for it at all. I was I was geared up for this. I, maybe the album will repeat more fondly, but I I loved a handful of tracks, and the rest of them were a bit of a slog. Yeah, do you know I even last week when last time we met and I suggested I'd like I said I was just like oh man this album out of sight out of sight man, man. Oh, man. and then even me listening back to it specifically to do this like actually there's only like four good songs on it. The rest of it's pretty pretty shit. <laughs> I was leaving the house earlier. Plugging my phone into my vehicle, thinking, oh, God, do I really? Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, I'm talking to Mike later. I really, I should show willing. Oh. <laughs> Apart from those ones, I don't like it that much. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, like we said several times now, you've got Things Fall Apart by Christina. you got which Christmas is great. on Riverside. Christina and the X-Men, yeah. Yeah, Christmas on Riverside Drive, which is exquisite. The Waitress's Christmas wrapping, unstoppable. Uh, Christmas I, time in Motor City, yeah. Yeah, that's for you. Um, I don't mind the Suicide songs because if you're a Suicide fan, you probably like them because they sound like Suicide. Yeah, but really all I need from Suicide is Frankie Teardrop. Ah! Yeah, which I, I think is... Uh, and I, it, it is the, it's the sort of almost the... It is the quintessential suicide song. It's like you don't need anything else. Well, you know, you've got Ghost Ride and Cherie. Definitely. Because they're so different. Uh, no, listen to anything on the first album as well. Well, the second album, sorry. The second album it's called. It's literally called Suicide, the second album. Uh, yeah, so... Favourite song, though, I think is... Because I, I think... 
what we should do here is be forced to say favourite song other than Christmas wrapping because it's almost not fair. Well, you know, I genuinely would pick Christmas on Riverside Drive over Christmas wrapping. Easy, I absolutely wouldn't. But I will pick. Uh, I mean, fr- frankly, any of those three. Sure, yeah. I'll I'll just say Christmas on Riverside Drive. Um, if the waitresses is taken off the table, because I think it it's it's a completely unfair fight. Ah, uh, for me, I think I think I yeah, think but you've lived you've lived with the album. I have for a few years so now. For me, it, it's like if you listened to I don't know something that you wouldn't know anything about. So you've got all of Hanson's greatest hits, mm-hmm. except instead of Umbop, it's Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney, and you're being asked to listen to it as a Christmas album. Which one is the best Christmas song? <laughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of stuff you don't really know versus something that you've heard every year of your life. It's not fair. Mm. It's not. It's not fair to August Darnell. It's not fair to me. <laughs> Darnell deserves better because he, he's written a belter there, but he's up against something that I is is ubiquitous mm. in this country. So, if we take that off the table, then sure, Christmas okay. on Riverside so Drive. If it's there, it. then it's the waitresses every goddamn day. I will say, the last few years. When we hit Christmas time, I've genuinely become excited to have an excuse to put things fall apart and Christmas on Riverside Drive on. And yeah. I, I've made several attempts to play them to my family with very success so far. I mean, not the whole album by any means. Ooh, I'm, not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, people don't want, they don't want. No, they, they don't. <laughs> you, people really, it's really hard. It's hard at the best of times to say to someone, hey, I'm going to play a song. I think you'll like it. Total indifference. It's even harder at Christmas. Yeah. People just want to hear what they know. Because Christmas is about routine and familiarity <laughs> and tradition. It's not about, here's something that you might find challenging that's, that's loosely based on the festive season. People don't want that. They want the waitresses served <laughs> piping hot. Indeed. So I will say, for me on this one, can we just keep those three tracks, but we won't bother keeping the rest of the album on the playlist? Four tracks. Three tracks for me. You can play your one while I go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, it's not long. <laughs> there you go. It'll do me. Boulder City. Yeah, it'll get me all juiced up for your return. Hey. And uh, we can just cast the rest off to sea in the yeah. forget-me bin. <laughs> forget-me bin. Yeah, the rest that you six or seven tracks join the bogus man in the new, <laughs> and Gigi Allen new, and all of Gigi Allen in the newly created forget me bin. Forget me bin. Yep. So I mean that was a fair old that was a bit of a different Christmas party than you're used to, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It didn't have any of the comforting familiarity of home. Exactly. <laughs> it was a sort of scary adventure, wasn't it? <laughs> So, spin I mean, the wheel. Spin, spin the, the wheel. wheel. Spin it one more time this year. Adam. Oh. Oh, what a shock. Oh, goodness me. Is it? Why, it's me. Oh. Right. Michael, the next one of these we do is going to be the, the inaugural show of 2021. It's a new year. It's a forward-facing year. Uh-huh. Hopefully, we can 
put the demons of 2020, well, 2016 to 2020, to bed. Uh-huh. Uh, sort of starting with David Bowie's hopeful. death and then culminating in now. Uh-huh. Uh, and pretty much everything in that period, apart from the birth of my daughter, has been a shambles. But I'm so excited. I'm so hopeful and naive to well, think what this to is. celebrate this, Mike, what I'm going to do is I'm going to smash the format. <gasps> and instead, I'm bringing two hot slices of music to the table. Because mm-hmm. finally, finally, we are going to settle one of the age-old scores. The year is 1980. Ugh. <laughs> Again. <laughs> you know, at some point we'll do something outside the 80s and 70s again. Well, yeah, but that's what you're here for. I made it very clear on episode one where my you heart did lies. There, my re- I've, I've gone wildly off my remit, for which yeah. I can only apologise. But I don't think that the albums that I'm about to suggest are ones that you're particularly familiar with. So, in the year 1980, now you may have heard of them, uh-huh. uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney had something of a, a contretemps or a face-off. Both men alike in dignity. <laughs> like in dignity in this podcast, where we lay our seat. And so that's McCartney 2 and, double, and double Fantasy, the one he did with Yoko Ono. Uh-huh. And I, I, again, cards on the table, I listened to Paul McCartney's interview with Adam Buxton on his podcast and loved it and entered into quite an in-depth conversation with a friend of mine who's a big Beatles head. Uh, Paul McCartney's a man I've been re-evaluating of late, as indeed are the Beatles, to be honest, because you and I have, in the past, given not given them short shrift, we've always acknowledged them as being just the most important people in popular music. Because there is nobody else. There's Elvis and them. They are the alpha and omega of everything. And not just music, all pop culture really derives from them to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. But the phrase we've always used is the classic. Um, I know I, they're important, but I'm yeah. never going to choose to listen to them. I'm interested in them more than I enjoy them. Bingo. Yeah. But uh, I am reevaluating my position in that regard uh, based on quite a lot of reading I've done. But McCartney's second album is fascinating. I'm and familiar I, I, with uh, Temporary Secretary. I think you're going to dig the album. And Double Fantasy is what Lennon was doing at the time. And I think what's why it's interesting is because Lennon enjoys a reputation as being the avant-garde one, whereas Lennon is the the melodicist. Yeah. But I just... The, the, both these albums are quite weird. Yeah. But And I, I think it would be... Obviously, it's going to be one hell of a record. <laughs> but um, I think... I'm going to ask you to listen to them both and we're going to finally settle Lennon versus McCartney based purely on the year 1980. Finally, it will be answered. Bearing in mind, Lennon only had five more years or so on the planet. Didn't, didn't, wasn't 1980 the year he was shot and killed? I thought it was 1980. Oh no, he was was gone, long gone by 85, wasn't it? Yeah, so sure, the year of his death. Let's celebrate it by criticising him. (laughs) Seems like the thing to do. Okay. No, they're both good. They really are. But I'll be um, in different ways. And it, they're, I personally think McCartney's is stronger, but I'll be fascinated to hear what you think. No, that's given me a good excuse because I've been, for a long old time now, been meaning to do the Paul McCartney listens. 
I've done. I've definitely. He's listened... a very interesting man. Yeah, I'd say I've listened to more John Lennon solo stuff. If you if you're not counting Paul McCartney and Wings as solo stuff. Um, I mean, I personally, obviously, big McCartney heads wouldn't may disagree, but I sort of would count it as McCartney solo stuff because I think if. Even, I think it, well, I personally think it might be a little bit like Tin Machine. You know, they go, no, no, mm. I demand a democracy. Yeah. But you surely, unless you maybe you're Linda and you're therefore married to him, you were probably there going, uh, what if we do this? I don't actually think, well, I don't think, well, no, Scouse, excuse mm-hmm. well, whatever, you do the voice. Yeah. Right. I don't, no, I don't really agree. Yeah, okay, Paul, okay. <laughs> you're a beetle, we're not. <laughs> There's just there is no way you can be equal with Paul McCartney, is there? <laughs> I played bloody drums for Dwayne Eddy. <laughs> that's that's not going to cut it. <laughs> no, no, I look I look forward to that. I'm interested to see how we tackle it as a format. Uh, well, well, there's two ways of doing it. One, we do track one, track one, or we do album then album, or mud fight. Or or mod fight, yes. But um, it's they're both good. They're, okay. they're very very strong. I look um, forward to this. Yoko Ono's contributions, I think, are much maligned but worth looking at. I like a bit of Yoko. Yeah, I don't mind it. No. Um, well, anyway, that proof what should be interesting. I look and forward to that. Finally, and once and for all, it will be decided. <laughs> Grudge match. Right, so that will be our first party to bring in the new year. What a way to what a way to kick off the year. Let's kick off the year by really slagging off Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> ah, we're not going to slag them off. We'll Couple of also rounds. No, we're not. They're really good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So that that brings this year of twenty twenty to a close for the party. Well, thank thank you so much to everyone who's given us a listen so far, and yeah, please do join us for parties future. Yeah, and and if and you're it, so inclined, like and subscribe. Yeah, and please do like and subscribe us if on wherever you get your podcasts. If you are enjoying it, we would really genuinely re- um, appreciate it. Even and if you're not, like and subscribe anyway. Yeah, helps out. Just don't listen. Yeah, that would be bless your heart. Um, yeah, if you have any suggestions for albums you think you'd like us to talk about uh, or listen to at a future party, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. We are The Listening Party with Adam and Mike. On Twitter, we are at Party Listen. Or you can email us at thelisteningpartypod at gmail.com. Um, yes, and obviously we're not affiliated in any way with Tim Burgess of the Charlatans Listening Parties. And uh, if you do want to suggest something for Mike and I to listen to, there is no album too popular or too left field for us to not give it a listen. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, if it, if it's freely available on one of the main streaming services, better. Makes but it easier. Yep. A little bit easier. Yeah. As we head into New Year, I mean, I've not shared a lot of this with you, but I've, I've got several choices already lined up. We've already got a couple of requests from listeners. We have a couple of guests we're going to bring on as well again. And. I will. Uh, I mean, my list is less, is more flexible than Mike's, and tends to depend on what I've read slash listened to within the last three days. <laughs> yes, and I promise at some point we will get out of this eighties seventies um, funk we seem to have got into. No, we won't. Um, 
that's from, a lie. From, from, from will, side, we from my side, we will continue to explore the outer reaches of the seventies and eighties with some sixties. Oh, good, cheers. <laughs> It's a 30-year spell, but all firmly in the past. <laughs> and with that, we'll say we will see you in the new year, everyone, for the next party. Cheerio. Tara. <laughs>